Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And we should just get right into it. Yep. So our guest today is Bob Abrams, who is a STSM in IBM on RAS and problem determination. Close enough. <laughs> what is RAS? RAS, RAS. So first of all, it's you know it's reliability, availability, and serviceability, but RAS is a characteristic of the system that ranges from the very, very lowest levels of the system that we have all the way, all the way on up to what we do to support customer and clients. But ultimately, the best way to think about RAS is that it's a base aspect or base characteristic of the system that our clients really depend on. They assume it's there. They assume it's bulletproof because a lot of this, a lot of you know, most of the environments that we run with uh, or that, that host app, uh, applications within a Z environment are highly dependent on the ability to have uh, the best availability, the best reliable system. Um, and then the, in the event that something does happen, it can collect diagnostic doc along the way. You know, one of the things that, um, that, that we talk to customers about is, um, you know, okay, it, it is a critical aspect of the system. And, and, you know, that's what, you know, what is RAS? But in the end, it's a matter of if something happens, your customer wants to stay out of the stay uh, stay out of the news media, right? right. <laughs> you know, you know, just like some other things that have happened recently, right? And um, you know, so it's 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 really important to be able to um, to be able to say that you know, clients build their their IT environments to. Not to take our RAS that we deliver into systems in their hardware, software, middleware, um, and other other areas within the system, and build on that and ensure that they don't have single points of failure. Ensure that in the event that there's a there is a failure, they can isolate it. They can recover from it as quickly as possible. They can collect the dock along the way, um, and those are all important aspects that go into. The, the, uh, this year's term actually is the term that's been used a lot, which is resilience, right? Mm -hmm. How is our system, how are our systems resilient? Okay. Right? Um, they, they, sure, they, they, they tickle, they take a licking and keep on ticking, <laughs> right? Um, but then when it comes to RAS and bringing that back to what we do within our systems, uh, a lot of it has to do with some really base premises that we've built into the system. A lot of it requires discipline, which makes it a little bit more difficult, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there are a set of well, there's a set of formal guidelines. We've got RAS guidelines that have been around for ever since I've been doing RAS, uh, which is, I don't know, some close to 20 years. Um, and they focus on many different aspects on ensuring that you have available uh, uh, components, ensuring that in the event that a problem does occur, what do you do in order to recover? Most people focus on the serviceability aspect. I mean, I'm going to collect doc along the way. Um, but it's all encompassing, right, as opposed to an environment like, say, Java, where they write the programs and they log stuff along the way, and if something happens, well, 
you know, they can reboot it. They can they can restart it. Um, but it, it's it's not as ingrained as the as the the Z operating system and the Z hardware, um, because you know there are there are base fit. Okay, so there are base facilities, right? That um, that everyone that all of our system code uses in order to uh, establish the ability to, to set up a recovery environment, uh, in order to trap trap problems. Uh, there are elements of the system that can gather lots of lots of GORP about the problem, and then it's up to you to figure out, well, what kind of diagnostic data do I need, right? Um, but what bothers me over the years, a lot of, you know, there are a lot of people who know what RAS is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been internalizing what RAS is, but a lot of people don't necessarily understand the mechanics that make it work. Because we've gotten to, we, we've gotten to a point where we've got reusable code, right? Somebody sets up their ASA service to set up their recovery environment, and they know they have to do something with something called a, a niner routine, right? Um, but do they know what happens in the recovery? Do they know that that uh, there are there could be there can be different levels? Do they realize that the real key to Res is being able to capture problems at their lowest level, not several levels up within a stack? So Res is not something you can install on top of a system that wasn't built that way. Raz is not something you can install. <laughs> Although people try to do that, right? Uh, you talk to people and they say, well, I've got logging. It's like, okay. So <laughs> in the event that I've got a problem, I might have the ability to figure out what may have been happening, maybe, you know, depending on what level, right? right. Um, do I have the ability to say this particular thing happened at the particular point of the the ab end, right? Um, not necessarily in other areas. Some areas do, some don't. Um, but what's interesting, okay, so so you got your base RAS, and those in the BCP understand the base RAS, and we've enhanced it for the Unix environments. Uh, the Unix environment has their own data data capture, but you know, RAS is built in um, over the years. Uh, there was a point in time when it didn't. <laughs> Right, where every problem had to be recreated in-house, which was very costly to us and slowed down any kind of customer uh, problem analysis, customer feedback. And we realized at that point, you know, when that happens, you know you got a problem, right? From our, you know, so, you know, so which aspect do people really think about? Which aspect of RAS is that? Well, did I deter? Did I detect what the problem was? Can I narrow down what the problem really was? Can I collect the right dike, direct the, the right doc? If I'm dependent on system information, can I get that in a timely basis? Those are areas that we tried, we really struggled through for a while, and we made lots of improvements to make sure that happens in an LE, a language environment, uh, the USS environment. Uh, areas like that, um, you know, have we gotten there? You know, in terms of Java environments, that's not real clear. You know, a lot of people you talk to there is a lot of it's based on on ensuring that you do the right kinds of logging and getting the right subject matter expert in front of that to figure out well, you know, what happened when this kind of thing occurred. So you really then focus on how do I make sure that. We're pulling the right data at the right time, um, and and you're going through the different um, 
products or, or components, probably a better term, and, and ensuring that they're doing the right things? So gathering the diagnostic doc is the S in RAS, okay. serviceability, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of focus on ensuring reliability, ensuring that if you're invoked that you check your parameters and make sure there are things that you expect, uh, ensuring that features you know that you're providing are accurate. I mean, there's a little bit of quality in there too. Availability is really what the customers are looking for, right? They don't care what's going on underneath. You got a problem, take care of it, right? But from an availability perspective, we need to, you know, one, one of the things that we, we try to do as much as possible is ensure that we don't create single points of failure within our own code to ensure that in the event that something does happen, we can recover from it right away. Um, because a lot of it is you know, a lot of people equate the S in serviceability to be what RAS is. It's really mm-hmm. not, right? It's more about ensuring that the function is available, which then drives everything else, right? Um, and a lot of it also. So, so more recently, we've taken a lot of this and we've said, okay, a lot of the the, the base operating system has a lot of RAS built in. Right? And yet, you know, and, and for cases where we have problems that detect themselves, those are easy ones for service to turn around. What do you do about, about sympathy sickness? What do you do about uh, sick but not dead? Okay, so what do you do about situations where we've got problems that are occurring, they're getting logged, they're considered to be normal, and you don't know about it until about a thousand of them start start happening all at once, and all of a sudden the system gets, back, gets bogged down. Uh, these are cascaded problems uh, that can, can occur, um, and a lot of what we had been doing over the, say, over the past 10 years is trying to identify uh, what our what are these soft errors? What are these things that these problems that are occurring and in many cases are just considered normal, but in other cases are abnormal? There are things that happen that get hidden, right? And if you talk to a client, the client, you know, the old, maybe, maybe 30 years ago, clients used to watch consoles and see what's going on. They, nobody does that anymore. If somebody complains about a problem, you want to figure out where within the sea of, of my events am I really having a problem? And that's where something, that's where Z-Aware came in, right? The idea behind Z-Aware is to use, um, uh, use technical, use, use the analytics in order to, uh, to gather information, to, to try to determine what's normal, what's abnormal, uh, based on rates, based on events that normally occur together or not occurring together, and calling out the fact that this looks anomalous. We didn't tell you there's a problem here. We just said this looks anomalous. And we give it a score. So, you know, so hopefully we, we can find the more important things higher, you know, higher up. We have a function called predictive failure analysis, which is using an, a, analytics built into ZOS as opposed to something that's sitting in an analytics environment. Um, where we're looking at common storage, a key key thing that took customers down was common storage continuing to to grow, and uh, customers uh, end up 
running out of storage and looking at IPLs, unplanned IPLs, right? Um, and so predictive failure analysis is looking at indicators. Uh, it started off looking at common storage, and we resolved that as an indicator. There are other indicators. There are log and log events that are occurring at abnormal uh, times. And those are, again, indicators saying, hey, something looks wrong in this kind of job or this group of jobs. You might want to take a look. Um, when it comes to things like sympathy sickness, those are things that plague the XEF, the cisplex environment. Uh, those are areas we're always trying to trying to figure out how to how to deal with. I mean, that's that's an area that Dave Sermon brings up all the time. Um, where I've got a problem in some areas, they make their way through our cross-system communication over to another system, and they are then. Um, they then cause possible problems or they sit around dormant and all of a sudden they cascade to some set of problems. And that's like, oh, crap, what happened? Right. Mm -hmm. And people start shooting systems. They used to start shooting systems. And, of course, the system that they didn't want to shoot was the one that had the problem. Right. The one that was running their most their most production. Um, but that's an area that um, – uh, Zeoware, PFA, and something called runtime diagnostics, which I had a, 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 a personal investment in, where we were looking at more discrete kinds of problems and saying, hey, these are things that traditionally cause problems. And you've seen them over the past hour mm -hmm. uh, in terms of history. And here are some things that are going on right now, and they look anomalous. Uh, looking at health triggers, looking at uh, not just messages, but looking at um, events that are normally very transient and are taking a long time, um, things along those lines. So the whole area of of uh, sick but not dead, uh, which is, you know, it's a term that, that some customers coined. Mm -hmm. you know, the thing is, it's running. Right. It's crawling. It's not dead. It hasn't declared itself to be dead. Yeah. Right? And... Um, and you know there there are reasons for that because we've taught our our developers to not take themselves down, down right? Yeah. Uh, so that sometimes gets gets back at you. So there, it sounds like there's there's nothing in the platform, and and I, I, I guess I had a wrong idea coming into this thinking about Raz is that it's contained in the box itself, the hardware, the software. It's the whole process around it as well. Um, how does so if 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 Raz is in everything, how do you focus on it? Right. Like what 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 fills a, a Bob Abrams's day? Like, do you just go around and say, "Don't do that. That will hurt Raz." Like, what is? Yeah. How do you enforce it? Um, you there, there were there was a period of time when I was working with various components, looking at what they did, looking at their infrastructure. We had. One of the things I was in, I don't know, 15 years ago was um, a, a, a corporate-wide PD council, right? It was made up of people from AIX, from Windows, from Java, from, you know, I was a ZOS guy, and hmm. there was a DB2 guy, Nigel Slinger, you probably know mm -hmm. him, right? And and a few others that, that were in the ZOS environment uh, from the subsystems. And um, we came up with this thing called a PD scorecard. Okay, well, you give somebody a metric and... All kinds of weird <laughs> things happen. People want to know, what's my score? It's like, right. I don't care what the damn score is. I care what comes out of the assessment. Right? And um, so 
you know, it's been useful at many different ends of the business. Uh, I've used it with a lot of different areas. This is going back a while ago, but I'd use it with a lot of different areas, and we came out with with observations of some things that made it into the plan that were fixed, some things that were like, okay, you know, the, that's the way it is. Um, on the other end, the person who was running the PD council, Marion Hoffman, who used to be here mm-hmm. and worked for corporate now and then retired and went to work for Marist, um, uh, she used the scores in order to batter other, other areas of the business, saying basically, hey, you know, your score, you you got a six out of ten, and here are some areas you need to look at. And it became a stick. I be, I tried to use it as a tool, <laughs> and it also became a stick. Right? Um, if you if you ever visit my office, there's a little poster there that says "How's your ass?" Okay, and you know, the little history behind that. There was a guy who worked in the. Um, the crit sit office, Andy Cusimano, a long time ago. Uh, every time he saw, I saw him, he asked very quickly, "How's your ass?" And if you, if you, if you, if it says it, if he says it fast enough, it sounds like something else. Yeah, right. I was going to say. I want to point out to the transcriber and they say, "Okay, what the hell you just ask him?" And you know, Raz R A S. Hopefully they got a laugh at that. Well, they did. But what something what was interesting is after I put that poster up, some people will come in the office, you know, some days and say, "My ride sucks today. <laughs> what I'm doing? I got this problem. The damn C trace didn't say this, and I ran ran this other thing, and my dump doesn't indicate right." Um, that's probably the best way to get people to talk. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it's one of these passive things, you know, you just put it up on the door and people who know me come over and sometimes you get people who don't know me, you come around and, <laughs> and ask, ask the question. Um, what do, so currently I'm working in a Z resilience area uh, where it's not really code, it's not RAS, it's not the problem determination stuff, it's not even the analytics stuff that I'm doing and I, with, I, that I've been doing with, um, with the, the guys in Raleigh. But um, it's focused on what do, are we delivering today and what our customers expect from a resilience perspective. Um, where are some of our clients from a business – from a, a from across the range of, of, of business areas, ranging from people who have a single system, some people who have a sysplex in a box – and then others who have built additional data centers and are using GDPS, right? There's a, there's a range in there. Right. Um, and trying to understand where those customers are, trying to understand what, it, from a sales perspective, can do sales, do sales guys have the tools to be able to go to someone and ensure that they're not looking at someone, you know, who's in the bottom of the line trying to sell them GDPS, you know, Right. Continuous availability. Like right. They'll look at you and laugh you off. Right. But if you can get them, we created something called the maturity model, right? Which is in its infancy. But, um, but if you can get, if they're in one area and you can move them mm-hmm. to the next, then that's positive because they buy stuff along the way, right? Uh, part of the question is we've got a lot of customers who obviously buy. Um, IBM Z, they're extremely dependent on the resilience that we deliver in the hardware. And the hardware is like close to 100% um, <clears throat> availability. The um, the software, you know, we it's 
pretty good, right? Um, you know, some of the people ask, well, if it's really that good, why do we put all that resin? Well, because we want to make sure if there's ever a problem, we cover ourselves. You, right. know, you, don't, you don't let it fall in the customer's lap. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of what I'm doing now is focused on if we've delivered all this stuff over the years in parallel sysplex, in um, Z-Aware, PFA, runtime diagnostics, and only a few customers are using it, but yet they, a lot of them think that – do are, do they think they're resilient? Or is it, is it just a matter of they're not going to spend anymore? Uh, do they think their resilience is good enough? One of the things that we found when talking with the HAACOC, the High Availability Center of Competency folks, is um, a lot of clients are running with environments that have been set up 10 years ago. And they those environments don't fail, right? which is a good thing, right? Right. Um, and um, but once in a while, maybe once in five years, they got a hardware problem, mm-hmm. or they've they tried to push the envelope and they had a they discovered a software bug. Um, what do you do about clients like that, right? From a business perspective. Um, and so right now we're, we've we've got lots of pain points we can point to, and we're trying to talk to customers to validate some of that stuff. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, yeah right? absolutely. It's like all over the place. <laughs> um, I'd say the most enjoyable part of what I've what I've been doing mm. is um, I mean I grew up in development. I started in console development when consoles were the second line, right? As opposed to one, you know, as opposed to half a person now. Um, <laughs> but you know, and I've gone through you know four years being a manager, you know, doing other design kinds of things, doing um, you know, doing trying to get things in the plan. But the most, the the best area that I've had was getting back into a development role. Right, um, where we at the the last one that we, I was in was in the common event adapter, right? Where we were building something that we, we were trying to build the guts of of uh, the the ZOSMF uh, incident log, right? Which we were calling PD Workbench at the time. And PD Workbench didn't fly from a naming perspective, <laughs> but um, I, I guess it was too obvious. But um, so the um, you know working with a group of people. Who are not only into the function, but also are into writing fun- writing code that has that addresses the function and also has the RAS things. I mean, we worried about availability issues. We worried about you know, if this error occurs, how do I deal with the with the particular. How do I get out of it, right? You know, one of my niners, and what are the you know some people in some cases we had to back up. And it's like, well, what is this? What is what is what is RTM, the recovery terminal, uh, uh, termination manager, really telling us in terms of the problem? Um, and so, coming out of that, we had a really good function, a really good team, good understanding of what was going on, and Raz was as part of it, right? It wasn't the whole thing. 
right? right? I mean, the whole, a lot of what we were doing was driving event management. And then later on, doing heavy lifting for storage dumps and logs and log snapshots and things that we needed from a problem management perspective, uh, which is what the, what the incident log is about. I can right. talk about that for another 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, right? So I think about like the, the types of customers that, that run mainframe, um, well, two things about them. One is that um, they've, they've probably been a mainframe customer for a while. And they've probably had at least, you know, unfortunately, maybe one experience where they've come to depend on the the, the serviceability, you know, the, the RAS characteristics to recover from the situation. Um, how? So the f- first question is, how do you instill the importance of RAS on a customer that maybe hasn't had to use it yet? Um, and and <laughs> this is trouble with something that where you know it, it has it's a. It's a function that only has value when it happens. Right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's another way to put it. Yeah. Let's <laughs> figure time stamp 25 minutes. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to throw it in. But yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's a big problem. When right. You're dealing with customers who are putting applications on Amazon, right? Which I'm not saying it doesn't have those characteristics. We don't know what the hardware, I mean, I could probably tell you what some of the hardware is, but, mm-hmm. but the question ends up being, uh, if you put your application there, is it going, are you going to have the same resilience characteristics that you have on IBM Z, right? And IBM Z, we talk about five nines. Uh, with the hardware, we talk about seven, eight, nine. Somebody wanted to say it's a thousand nines. Um, <laughs> and if you look at, I think it's Microsoft, they promise four nines, right? So 99.99% availability. Um, now, what does that mean? Right, it probably means from a hardware perspective that's what they deliver. And if you got a problem in your software, that's your problem, right? Right, right? and um, and so I think what people I haven't talked to people about that. That's a really good question, but but I think what people may find is as a port, if they were to port stuff, try to take stuff off the platform, which clients are certainly doing, mm-hmm. um, then. They have to look at it holistically. They need to understand not only what was the function, but what was I missing from that other platform? Oh, right. You know, am I going to get it? I, I think I you'd think find that the some of the characteristics are are there, but implemented differently. So we implement uptime. When I think about uptime on Z, I think about a single image, or you know, virtual or logical, whatever that I can log into, and it's there. Whereas availability in a distributed cloud environment means there are enough backups such that you can be pretty sure you will always have one to log into. So, you know, that, and that's, you know, we get back to the, the Netflix is uh, on Amazon chaos monkey thing. Like mm-hmm. you have to plan yeah. for systems failing because that's a characteristic of distributed environments. So, right. And, you know, one of the things that's growing out of, out of the resilient stuff, uh, working with, with Oz Barron, uh, something we coined uh, pre-production uh, problem analysis, basically testing, right? Mm-hmm. But it's more than testing. It's having an environment where you can train people, where you can do exception testing, where you can do performance testing, where you can do I – mean, but it costs money to set up something like that, right? And we're working on trying to work on ways to – somehow make that happen, you know, or as opposed to take a lot of these ideas and ship them as a white paper or a book or whatever, right? right. Which may have value, but, you know, depends on 
where we go there. Um, I forgot what your question was, but so do I. It's all right. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you've you've put out all, uh, an awful lot of information in a very short period of time, and I'm I'm trying to to keep up. Um, you know, you you know, we've talked a little bit about um, components like uh, pre- pre- predictive failure analysis, or or um, the um, the Z-Aware that you know kind of things that we provide as capabilities to help figure this stuff out. But a big part of this is people, right? That um, I can provide great tooling to make sure that things don't fail or that when they do or or when things start to slow down, (laughs) hey, that's an issue. But, you know, you mentioned the high ability High availability center of competence. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a lot of the work those guys did was focused on look, you have in your processes issues, right? That um, a single point of failure you mentioned, right? Um, or just, just because you have a mainframe doesn't mean that things are going to be up all the time. You people can still cause a big part of the the issue, right? Absolutely. Uh, That's been a lot of our focus um, has been it's not just the technology. Technology is obviously an important part, right? But if you don't have good problem management, good change management, good knowledge of what you're trying to put together, um, then, then certainly you're setting yourself up for, for failure. The other aspect that we're still trying to dig under is we are infrastructure guys, right? right? We produce all kinds of functions and make sure that the system is up, the sysplex is up, that, that you know, we grow it and try to, try to make it more and more functional and be able to share data and things like that. But what are the applications doing? Right? One of the things we find, and the HACOC brought this out in spades, is that clients, maybe when parallel sysplex first came out, took their most important application and made it, designed it such that they don't have affinities, that they don't have issues that prevent their code from getting restarted someplace else, right? Because the whole idea, the whole idea behind Parallel Sysplex is you can run anything anywhere on any system. Um, and we're trying to understand how to make that happen again, Right. Um, what we're seeing is that the the um, in many clients' shops, the infrastructure area or the the you know the system environments that are built are produced in one in one area of the shop, and in another line of management, you've got the the application developers. And from what we've seen, it's the application architect that probably holds it all together. Right, you have the IT architect who's probably driving what's going on from the from the overall system perspective, ensuring you have you know, however many nines availability. But you got the application architect who can really have who really has the power to say when you're writing your applications, don't build affinities into your code, mm-hmm. don't write to a specific database, don't use a specific Kix transaction manager. Use the facilities of the transaction manager that are there for high availability to ensure that your application can run anywhere. You can still do exactly what you want. Right. I don't know how to get that word out. 
That's what we need. That's really that, and and working with the guy, we have great folks we're working with in the in the Kicks area, you know, Ian Mitchell, Catherine Moxie, other folks like that, um, who are getting their arm, who have been who live in that environment all the time. Um, but that seems to be one of the critical issues, right? Um, we deliver all this stuff, and many clients are using it, or they're using it for some application. And some application, it doesn't. It doesn't matter, right? right? It depends on the it depends on the SLA for that particular application. You know, we got that. Um, but for critical applications that hurt when there's a problem, right, or hurt when there's a failure, or hurt when there's a hardware failure, right? They do right. happen. They just it's supposed to happen once every thirty years. But um, uh, when something does happen, or you need to make a change in the firmware or things along those lines, how do you recover your workloads to run elsewhere? And if you're right, if the application developers, or I'm sure, are writing great code, if they're writing code that that have built-in affinities, then all of the all of the the things we've built into parallel sysplex are not being used. You know, mm-hmm. the quality of service. I won't say it's less, but it's just not there, right? Right. I mean, you can still share stuff. You can still, you know, talk cross systems. You can do all that stuff. You, can, you know, that'll improve performance. It'll improve, improve availability, environment overall. Mm-hmm. But when, if you have a problem that affects um, a system and a and a set of kicks regions, um, then how do you restart it elsewhere? If your applications were written to depend on those particular regions, you have to wait for that for that area to be to be restarted, right? And you know, well, we're trying to make the reboot faster, but I'm not sure that's the total answer. You know, the answer is, you know, why did you allow yourself to be that way? Right. That's the business question. From the coding perspective, the stuff is there. Um, we're talking about writing workflows in order to make it ha- make it better. We're trying to improve the documentation. You know, I'm sure we can do presentations. Will that get us there? Don't know. Yeah, let's let's uh, shift a little bit because I know we're running low on time. You've you've been at IBM a really long time, longer than me, even forty years as of forty June twenty sixth. Yeah. O- yeah. Over 40 years. And you've been doing I haven't this. started counting that much yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've been doing the RAS stuff, you said, for about 20. Right? Yeah. Um, intermixed with other other work. Um, you know, some of it was EOS. Uh, some of it I got shifted over to the KVM space. Uh, we were trying to build the Ensemble Availability Manager, EAM, mm-hmm. right, which came and went with KVM stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> and our looking, you know, last thing I did in that space was to drive an availability assessment of the KVM space and came out with some really good white papers type stuff, which had lots of hits. I don't know if anybody read it, but it had <laughs> lots of hits. Um, right. So I don't want to say, you know, there's the general RAS and not just ZOS. Yeah. Go ahead. So, anyway, continue. Well, but you, Sorry. So I, ju- I just want to um, b- before we before we <clears throat> cut you loose. Um, the, the just this idea of how, how do you stay uh, doing this for for so long? I mean, uh, forty years is a long time to be to be doing that uh, computer stuff. You know, generally computer stuff. When when do you say? Do you say, well, I'm I'm going to stop doing this now, or 
I mean, do you see yourself ever retiring from? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Does that happen sometimes? Someday, <laughs> sometime soon. <laughs> well, I'm not predicting when. You know, soon, you know, as in a number of years or whatever. But, okay, right. but but you're still having fun though, right? I'm having fun because over the years, what I've really been able to do is mix the required work with other stuff that I enjoy. Like, for example, we're doing the resilience work, right, which you know, can ranges anywhere from high to low, depending on the day. Um, but I'm also working on a workflow that will help consolidate problem determination information in one place using ZOSMF workflows, right? And, and we ran it by JPMC. They loved it, and they also complained about it, and so I've got <laughs> stuff to do. Um, right. uh, the idea is, for me is to always have something you enjoy doing because you're always going to have stuff that you, know, that you have to do. Right. And you have to make time for both, right? Um, and also, you know, uh, we, we all have our lives – here within within IBM, and we have lives outside of IBM. I mean, I enjoy bicycling, and you know, we go on bicycling weekends. And you know, on Sunday, I'm going on a bike rally in Millerton, right? That starts there and goes into Columbia County. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, getting back to the work, the work question, um, you know, having a new challenge each time is important. As long as it's a challenge that you un- you can understand how to approach, the area of doing strategy for resilience on that's all new space for me, right? Um, you know, I've been doing development, design, you know, leading teams, things along those lines for many years. Uh, people have told me, oh, I've been doing strategy. It's like, no, I haven't. I, <laughs> I feel I I haven't. Right? A new challenge. But what's pro- the problem I have with the new challenge is not necessarily having a whole lot of guidance within it. So I end up having to find my own way mm-hmm. or ask people who, you know, for opinions and, you know, we'll get, you know, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? You know, for people who are doing uh, development, development work, um, there are, I mean, I'm sure we're all being you know, heads down, lots of code development, but a lot of people enjoy writing tools, uh, however small mm-hmm. or large, right? I mean, there's a, a lot of effort on, a lot of focus on that now, um, but uh, just trying to find ways that help your own work get done faster, and if you're, you know, maybe even find something that a customer will will uh, find useful along the way. That's how I got into Logric analytics. If you look at the analytics space, we're doing all kinds of stuff with messages and SMF records and all that. But they ignored our error log, right? Well, I found out later why we ignored our error log. But <laughs> but trying to take that information and feed that into into the plumbing that's required in order to drive analytics in the the IOAZ, the IBM Operation Analytics for for Z, um, that ended up being a little hobby. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, so I I had to do my regular work, and I had, I had my little hobby that I was doing along the way that I was working on with two 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 guys in uh, in Endicott who were helping me doing the work. So um, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, I I, I get it. You, it. you you did. You talked a little bit about <clears throat> how you uh, 
um, kind of mix different things together. You do stuff you have to do, stuff you like to do, and, and yeah. kind of connecting it all together. That's yeah. that's kind of cool. Yep. So I, I know actually we're a little over time, right? So mm-hmm. um, Bob, I want to thank you for for spending time with us and mm-hmm. and and being part of this. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This is a this is great to it's a great way to talk to people. Right? Even though I can't see him in his office. (laughs) And if you like talking to Z people, uh, Share is coming up August 12th through the 17th. Yeah, everybody should be uh, checking that out and becoming part of that. And uh, beyond that, uh, Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.